Hello, you are listening to Proverbs with Daisy Maskell. It is me, Daisy. Welcome. This is a podcast all about extraordinary people and extraordinary stories. Here we will shine the spotlight on their journeys and hopefully learn something about ourselves and the way that we live our lives from their experiences too. Join me for the next half an hour as we get to know our guest. Hey guys, I think this episode is going to be a personal favourite for me. Nick Pope is a UFO investigator, previously working for the British government's Ministry of Defence. He has had an enviable career spanning decades in this space and his findings both past and present help give us some real insight as to what the future may hold. Nick, how are you doing? Thanks so much for being here. Thanks. It's great to be on the show. And yeah, I'm doing very well. Interesting times for this subject, for sure. I know. I was going to start by saying this really feels like there has been a change in attitude towards the way that we talk about UFOs and potential sightings as well. And I feel like we're almost moving away from viewing them as a conspiracy. There seems to be a lot more transparency when we're studying and publishing the evidence online as well. Are you noticing this too, Nick? Yes, I am. Absolutely. This topic has come out of the fringe into the mainstream. As you say, it's no longer regarded as this kind of quirky sci-fi conspiracy thing. It's now being framed really as a science problem and as a defense issue. And I mean, quite literally, it is being discussed in the United States Congress and provisions to properly investigate the mystery have been written into the new uh, defense bill that's just passed in the US. So it, it really is all guns blazing on this topic. That is so fascinating. Why do you think this is happening now, Nick? Well, I think we've got more evidence than we've ever had before. I mean, most people will have seen, for example, those videos taken from US Navy jets and the pilots were chasing these things, literally. Mm -hmm. Simultaneously, they were being tracked on radar. And, and so the Pentagon put this up on their own website. Now, we've known for years that pilots see UFOs, but, but to actually have confirmation of this from the Department of Defense and the videos up on their website, not, not some sort of fringe conspiracy uh, blog, but the official Department of Defense website, there it is. And they're saying these things are in our airspace. We need to figure out what's going on. It's so exciting. It's such a fascinating time as well. What are some of the most compelling bits of evidence that you've come across recently, Nick, that UFOs exist among us? Well, I think one thing stands out, and this was another uh, big development in this topic. There was a report published on June 25th from the Office of the Director of National Intelligence. And this was literally an intelligence assessment of the UFO phenomenon. Just like, you know, normally they do one on Russia or China. They did one on UFOs. And it concluded that these things, some of them are, are they show signs of, of advanced technology, and uh, some of them are detected across multiple platforms. So forward-looking infrared, electro-optical. This has gone from just being hearsay 
to to being really talked about. And as I say, it's the body of evidence and particularly the fact we've got these pilots now and the radar operators and the intelligence officers who are doing the assessments on the record. I guess this is the age old question as well. Why are some things not made public knowledge? Do you think there was enough evidence to publish to the public beforehand? Or I guess, do these government officials keep some things back for the from the public for whatever reason? Well, they definitely kept back something here because there are two versions of this report. There's the version they put on their website for the media and the public. And then there's a classified version that people like the Senate Intelligence Committee got. And uh, yeah, everyone would love to see that. So for, yeah, for decades, I think governments have not told everything they know about this. Sometimes I have to say that's just because of the embarrassment of saying there are things in our airspace faster than us, more maneuverable than us, and we don't know what they are. No government likes to to come across as ignorant and impotent, which that statement kind of makes them look. So that's, that's part of it. You've had the most incredible, enviable career, Nick. I want to go back to the start of it. How did you find yourself working in this field? Quite by accident. I fell into <laughs> That's it. always the way. <laughs> yes. I, I, I just, I had no interest in UFOs. I had no belief in the topic, but I was a career civil servant in the Ministry of Defence and they move you around every few years. And in 1991, I got a tap on the shoulder and, and basically the message was, we knew we know that you're due for a move. We have a vacancy coming up. Would you like the job? And I said, what's the job? And they said, UFOs. What was your stance on UFOs before? Because that must be quite a, a daunting project to get involved in if you had absolutely no belief beforehand, Nick. Yes, I wasn't sure what to make of it. <laughs> I, I mean, I thought, I, I thought, I'm sure it's bound to be intriguing. And boy, was I right there. But I, I really didn't know what to expect until I was literally sitting at the desk getting the reports from from the public, from from pilots, from police officers, whoever it was, uh, doing the investigations, checking the radar tapes, looking at the photos and videos we were sent and trying to figure out is is this is this something from Russia or China or or is it something from rather further for a field, something mm. extraterrestrial, as many believe. I'm sure you've got countless stories as well um, and, and countless answers to this next question. But what are some of the most, I guess, unexplainable stories or sightings that you came across whilst working for the Ministry of Defence, Nick? Well, one took place just before I joined, and it's called the Rendlesham Forest Incident. It's, it's yes. probably Britain's... Britain's best known UFO case. It's sometimes called Britain's Roswell. And this, this was an event with multiple military witnesses, not just lights in the sky, something landed. And what that meant was that, that they could go with a Geiger counter and take radioactivity level readings. And there's a declassified Ministry of Defense file, which for years was sat in my office, wow. which basically said, um, you know, whatever, whatever this object was that caused indentations in the ground and, and these levels of radioactivity, the radiation seems significantly higher than the average background. So we had physical evidence, scientific evidence mm -hmm. that something truly extraordinary had happened. 
that is amazing and it's so it's so crazy to think that all that work that you were doing back then in I guess an environment whereby these cases were looked at as a as a conspiracy it's it's amazing to see just the change in attitude today towards the way that we view these sightings it, it's just incredible how how um how far this has gone I've always sort of been interested in this subject but I've even seen over the past couple of years alone just just yeah that the, the tide is is seeming seemingly changing have you ever had any personal encounters yourself, Nick? Sadly, I haven't. I know <laughs> it, it surprises a lot of people and people say, oh, well, how, how can he investigate if he hasn't seen something? I, I think it gives me an advantage, actually, because mm -hmm. it means that I come at it from a more neutral point of view. I think if I'd had a sighting, I'd be trying to prove it was real. But my, my job at the Ministry of Defence was just to evaluate the sightings, see if there was evidence of anything, um, potentially a threat, something of more general defence or scientific interest. And I went in with a very even-handed mindset. But no, I haven't seen one yet. But I tell you what, I would love to. So I'm, I, I now live in Tucson, Arizona, which is a great place for, for sky watching. Big, clear, open skies. So maybe my time will come. I am somewhat envious of, of people that have had personal encounters. I'm always looking up at the sky as well, but I'm, I'm yet to see anything myself personally. But I'm sure you've spoken to a lot of people that have and a lot of eyewitnesses as well. How can you tell if you have had an encounter? Well, I think some people obviously you know, remember consciously the thing and have the, the evidence to back it up in terms of photos and videos. These days, almost everyone, I guess, carries a smartphone. So... So you see a lot of that. Uh, sure, there's some faking too. Um, but I, I think these days people who've seen UFOs, they're in very good company. The problem previously was the stigma, the fear of ridicule and disbelief. It stopped a lot of people coming forward. But these days, you, you literally, you turn on the TV, switch on the radio, and, and you see you see military pilots talking about their sightings. Then you see former presidents saying, yeah, we, we see these things. Um, we need to get to the bottom of it. And people think, you know, it's okay. I can come forward. There's no shame anymore. It's so great. Did you work on any alien abductions at all, Nick? Because this is something that massively fascinates me. Did you speak to anyone that had believed they'd been abducted by aliens? Or what can you tell us about this particular subject? Oh, absolutely. Yes. We, you can't run a UFO program without finding yourself the, the focal point for anything weird. So we got, we got reports of alien abductions, crop circles, ghosts on military bases, people who thought they were psychic and wanted to spy for their country. Uh, but yeah, the abductions were fascinating. I mean, these to steal a line from the movie Close Encounters of the Third Kind, I think, or probably to mangle it, but it's, it's these they're ordinary people in extraordinary situations. I mean, these are people with little to gain and much to lose by coming forward with these sorts of, of stories. And it's not quite like the, the pilots. They haven't got the, the forward-looking infrared films. They haven't got the radar tapes. They've just got these stories. But my goodness, compelling, fascinating, mesmerizing stories. Should we be afraid at all? I don't know. I mean, in one sense, you could argue it either way. You could say, on the one hand, any civilization with the technology to travel here from beyond the stars um, clearly has technology that could crack this planet open like a nut. So, mm -hmm. so if they wanted to do anything, I'm not sure there's much 
we could do by way of defense. So that's kind of worrying. On the other hand, you could argue it the other way and say, well, in that case, if, if they wanted to do anything, they'd have done it by now. And hopefully, if we're being visited, they're coming here with the same motives that we have when we go out yeah. into space exploring. You know, we want to see what's out there. We go as, as scientists, as explorers. And, and I hope that's what we're looking at. It's strange because when I think about this as a subject and, and I think about the concept of whether we're alone or not, it almost scares me more thinking that we would be alone as opposed to there being something out there. Yeah, me too. Me too. I, I think mm -hmm. uh, the, the staggering loneliness of an empty universe would, would be terrifying. And mm -hmm. I think it's far more likely that, that the same circumstances that gave rise to life here have, have happened countless millions, maybe billions of times out in the universe. And every time we, uh, we, we launch a new telescope or we, we take another look, we just reminded how, how immense the, the universe is. I mean, I, I think estimates between, between 200 billion um, and, and, and 400 billion stars or 100 billion stars in a galaxy and then that same number of galaxy we're talking trillions and trillions of stars in the universe are we really to believe that life only emerged on one planet around one star surely not surely not continuing the conversation on proverbs after this short break for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I guess you've already answered this question as well. Um, why aliens and UFOs visit us? Do, do you sort of believe that it's just the same reason we go out to space then, Nick? They're just interested. They just want to see what's going on. I like to think so. We look, <laughs> we, we have a whole field, I guess, where we look at societies and, and we call it anthropology. So, so somewhere out there, perhaps, there are extraterrestrial anthropologists wondering about newly emerging civilizations and they will go exploring and they'll find us i know we've been visited obviously a lot in the past i'm a massive fan of, of shows like ancient aliens which i'll ask you about um in a sec but how often are we still visited today nick well it depends how you define that i mean in in strict evidential terms i'm not sure i could tell you that any of this is proven I think what I could do is lay out a really good case and, and some of the evidence we've discussed, a lot of the other evidence is probably still highly classified sitting in government files somewhere. But there's still, to be honest about it, there's no smoking gun with this. But I mean, there's no, everything I know about this subject leads me to believe that none of these things are, it, it's not a one-off. It, it does seem to be widespread. I mean, the idea of, of UFOs, have seen been seen since the dawn of time almost every culture has has the concept the idea of of visitation 
Um, and yeah, you get into the whole question of, of ancient astronaut theory. Uh, is, is some of what our, our ancestors perceived as visits from the gods, is some of that actually extraterrestrial? That's certainly sort of what I believe in, in terms of uh, as aligning myself to a to a sort of religion. I think it's it's really interesting to sort of go back and and look at some of the things that were written down about lights in the sky and about you know people essentially coming down from from the heavens. I think it's it's so fascinating. And I think once once you opened your mind up, you can you can benefit so much from doing so. Nick, through throughout your investigations and and throughout you the evidence that you collated how alike are aliens to us well i think a lot of them when you look at the descriptions a lot are humanoid now mm. you could say maybe people are being influenced by science fiction there but maybe in terms of evolutionary biology uh, humanoid life forms are, are very practical i mean we're we're mobile uh, we can lift things and and that we've got all the advantages in our in our physical form when it comes to developing a technological civilization and ultimately maybe a spacefaring civilization but there is an argument you know that says that we're on an evolutionary journey and that one day we'll evolve into machine intelligence perhaps or or that machine intelligence will will develop from, from our robots and our computers and things like that. And there are some scientists who think that when we meet aliens, they will be artificial intelligence, not biological. Mm. Did your findings, Nick, or, or any of the evidence that you collated, lead to us looking at aliens as being of different species at all? Or is there just sort of one universal species of, of alien that we recognize? I've seen a lot of variety in the reports. And again, I think that the idea of there being, I suppose, just one other civilization in the universe is almost as unlikely as us being completely alone. So I'm sure that, that there's a crowded universe out there with, with a diverse range of life, some biological, some machine intelligence. And I'm sure this is a question that has been asked many, many a times um, from you, Nick, throughout your career. But what do you believe is happening in locations like Area 51? Well, I think what we know for sure is that these are the places where the United States tests its next generation of, of spy planes, drones, that kind of thing. But of course, what a lot of people believe is that we've had UFO crashes and that that's where we take the wreckage. We try and fit it back together. We try and figure out, can we build any of this ourselves? I don't know, hand on heart, I don't know whether that's true or not, but if it's true, that is exactly the place that we would take these things, remote areas um, where the public just can't get in, like Area 51. Yeah, it does make sense. I will reference one of my favourite shows ever. I can't tell you how many episodes I've seen of this. It's one that I often binge watch late at night. Um, it certainly does keep me awake and it certainly does spark a lot of conversation between friends. But how accurate are shows like Ancient Aliens? Well, I'm, I'm on the show myself <laughs> and I love it, of course. I think, I think it's a great, interesting, fun, what-if show. And... As I always say, it, it's when the skeptics say, oh, you've got to 
prove a whole bunch of these cases. I say, no, no, you only have to prove one. Mm. Only one of these incidents needs to be the real deal. And our world changes forever. And yet shows like Ancient Aliens go all around the world, whether it's, it's the pyramids, whether it's Stonehenge, whether it's, it's um, sites in, in Central or Southern America, but all around the world. And, and we see it. We see it on cave paintings, in Renaissance art. We see it in religious texts again and again and again. This idea that we're not alone, that these, these life forms that some people call gods, some call aliens, they come and visit from the stars. I think one of my my favorite theories from an episode of Ancient Aliens was the one where I believe it was to do with certain landmarks on the earth and certain wonders of the world that looking at the positions that they've been built in and, and sort of when you compare one to another, they almost grid up over, over the surface of the earth. I found that so unbelievably fascinating and just looking at the ways in which certain monuments are positioned and aligned with with the stars, it's just, it's so interesting to me. Oh, it's spooky. And, and it's some of those alignments, as you say, you find all these weird things like the value of pi encoded into these, these architectural masterpieces. And you find, you, you know, you, all, all sorts of other things that seem to go above and beyond coincidence. And the technology that, that we can find these ancient sites and study these alignments is getting better and better, whether it's satellites, whether it's, it's um, new ground penetrating radar to find things that have long been buried. So the, the truth is out there. And, and also the truth is down here under our feet. Mm. Mm. What has been our, what is what has the history been with us as a civilization and aliens throughout the years? Well, I think it depends who you talk to. I mean, some people, as I say, believe that this goes back to the dawn of time and that humans have always seen strange things in the sky and humans have always interacted with some sort of other intelligences. And, and it's interesting, you look at folklore, uh, you could say we've always had this, this backstory of interactions with the little people, dwarves, mm. elves, fairies. And what do we see today? Same thing, but just different words put on it, like like mm. aliens. So mm. I think this is maybe something that's always been with us. But what we're doing is we're just looking at it with different eyes. I know your wife is a scientist as well, Nick, which is just so great. Does it make sense for UFOs and science and religion to live in harmony together? Well, I like to think so. I, I mean, obviously, science and religion in, in the Middle Ages had a huge conflict, and that's not completely over. But I think now we're in a situation where the Vatican, for example, have their own observatory. So we, we see some religions embracing science like that. And, and yeah, I, I think if we look at the wonders of the universe, what a better way um, to look at it if we all look together and, and pool our resources and our expertise, even if we have different beliefs. But, but if we study this together, it's far more likely we'll solve the mystery than if we all just work in our, our little silos with our, our individual belief systems and we don't talk to each other.
I think it's so important to keep your mind open and and have a certain amount of openness towards these certain situations and and the bigger picture and the meaning of life for sure I think we can learn a lot from that with all that you've learned so far what do you think the future looks like for us well I think it's only a matter of time before we find out that we're not alone I think we now have or are about to get in our hands the tools to make that discovery, whether it's it's optical telescopes, space telescopes, radio telescopes, whether it's a better analysis of the UFO sightings. I mean, you know, people say, oh, wh why look out there for something that's already visiting us down here? I say, no, let's cover all the bases. Let's look at UFOs, but let's look out with, with our telescopes as well. I think, I, I don't know, I wouldn't like to put a figure on it but who knows within within 10 years maybe we'll find out that, wow. that we're not alone maybe we'll that have is, well maybe we'll incredible. have that smoking gun wow that is that is amazing and do you know what with the way things have been going as i said at the, at the start of this chat over the past couple of years i think there i think it's really important to change the attitude first towards the way that we view these things and as you said a lot of the stigma has been broken down and we're not really looking at this as a conspiracy anymore but we're really studying the evidence um, and and understanding the importance of doing so as well have your findings and your work over the years changed your perception on life at all Yes, I think so. I came into this fairly sort of skeptical and I, I had my eyes opened and my mind opened to a fascinating range of possibilities. And I mean, after all, what question could be bigger and more profound than are we alone or not in the universe? And are we being visited? And if we're being visited, what, what could we learn from, from talking to these entities? What, what could a, in a universe nearly 14 billion years old. What could we learn by talking to a civilization that might have a billion year head start on us? It's staggering. And I'm, I'm intrigued. I'm optimistic about what we might discover. This evidence and these sort of studies, I feel like they really do help us unlock one of the one of the biggest questions that we all ask, which is what is the meaning of life and where did we all truly come from? And I think it's just so amazing that you took up this job offer and you went in with absolutely no bias whatsoever. And it's brought so much into your life and you've learned so much about the world and yourself as well, which is so great. Finally, Nick, we ask this of everyone before they go, before we sign off. What is something that you live by? What gets you up in the morning? What is your mantra in life? I think for me, it's the joy of wildlife. I live in the desert in Tucson and uh, we live on three and a half acres and we never know what's going to come wandering across our land. Um, you know, bobcats, coyotes, um, anything like that. We, we know there are mountain lions in the area. And, you know, I, it might seem, my answer might seem a little bit, bizarre and abstract, but in a way it ties in with, with what we've been discussing because, because in one sense, you never know what you're going to see and you never quite know what's, what's out there. The other day we saw a Gila monster. Um, oh, wow. I, what is that? Before, well, I, before I, I moved here, I didn't even know, I hadn't even heard of one <laughs> and, and they, they look like something out of Jurassic Park. And, <laughs> and my neighbor who's been here 32 years, it was the first time he'd seen one as well. So you never know here in the desert 
what what wonderful life you might come across. And I think the same is true of UFO research and investigation. There's a lot out there and you never quite know when you're going to run across it. It's so true. And we're, we're sort of so focused on looking down, looking down at our phones all the time. I think it's so important to just look up every so often and really embrace and enjoy your surroundings as well. I, I love nothing more than sitting out and, and looking at the sky and looking at, at the stars. It brings me so much peace and so much security. Um, so that's an amazing bit of advice to live by. Thank you so much for being here, Nick. This has been such a special episode. Um, and I hope to chat to you very, very soon. I think the next few years are really, really exciting. Absolutely. Exciting times, a lot of things to come. It's been great talking to you, Daisy. And uh, I've, I've really enjoyed the chat and I hope everyone else has too. And that concludes this episode of Proverbs with Daisy Maskell. That is me. I hope you enjoyed it. Hit subscribe so you don't miss out on any future episodes and I will see you soon.